Several of us were at Tiffany Marston and Micah Clark's wedding yesterday, and it was just prior to wedding starting that it started raining like this. And so it had to move Plan B into an inside venue, but it was still a lovely service. And uh, weddings are good. I enjoy going to them to listen to the verses that are read and what the pastor has to say. And the vows, in this case, written by the two people getting married. It just reminds you of your own vows. So uh, the rain the last two days for that wedding and now for right as I'm ready to preach. And God wants to make it. Okay, speak up so they can hear you. All right. And I wanted to speak today ideally to graduates of high school, college, it's graduation time, to young adults about a particular topic. And that is that God is ultimately trustworthy. But the question is, can He trust you? When, when we're parents and our children are small, we start to give them responsibility. And as they grow, we give them more responsibility. And as they prove themselves trustworthy, we we reward them in various ways, even giving them more responsibility. And if they mess up in a particular area, we we may have to go back to the beginning and start over again and kind of re-earn that trust, if you will. So God is trustworthy, and He gives to us, His children, gifts, talents, abilities, possessions, For you to manage for Him. Theologically, that's called stewardship. We were stewards or managers of God's resources. So here's my text this morning. Let me read through that, and then we're going to go through this passage of Scripture. In Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property... To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, 
reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Four points from this passage I want to share with you. Number one, our talents are given by God's determination. We see that in the text, in verses 14 and 15. And let's talk a moment about the broader context. Matthew chapter 24 and 25. There Jesus is sharing with his disciples certain events that are going to happen before he goes to heaven and then before his second coming. He's about to leave them and go to heaven. He's the master that's going on a long trip. In the meantime, he says that he's entrusted gifts to his disciples and to us to advance his work. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8, Paul puts it like this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. These gifts belong to God, but he entrusts them to us. But they're still his. First Corinthians four, seven. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? I want you to grasp this. Let's say that when you deposit your money in the bank, does the money that you deposited belong to the banker? I bet you still think it belongs to you. In fact, I think you would be quite upset if you went to your bank and asked to have your money back. And the banker said, oh, I thought you were giving that to us. I, I took your money and I went on a very lavish vacation with my family. Thank you very much. We had a great time. Would you like to see the pictures? I don't think you would like that one bit. You would be upset because you still think it's yours. You expect that banker to invest it and to make it grow, which is very difficult right now with interest rates being so low. So God thinks the gifts, talents, abilities he's given to you are his. And he holds you accountable. If they were mine exclusively, then there would be no need for judgment. I wouldn't be accountable to anyone other than myself. So let me take a little quiz right now of what I've shared so far. All right. You're given $1,000. How much of that belongs to God? None of it? $100? Or $1,000? 
If you have your, your Bible open on your phone or in the pew in front of you, verse 15 uses the word talent. Now, that is a little confusing this morning to what I'm saying. I'm using that word talent as we normally define that word in our modern day parlance. But that wasn't what a talent meant in biblical times. It was actually a weight, a quite heavy weight. It was a measurement of money. The biggest measurement of money in the ancient world, usually a weight of somewhere between 50 and 80 pounds, and usually of silver. It was about the equivalent of 20 years' wages. So even the one-talent person was given a lot of money. Let's just say for convenience sake, $50,000 is a year's salary. And the master gives the one person, one talent person, one talent of silver. That's a million dollars. So we have the five million dollar guy, the two million dollar person and the one million dollar person. Okay, it's it's obvious not everyone is a five talent person. We, We differ in gifts and abilities, and that's okay. God, for the most part, determines what those talents and abilities, smarts, looks, personality is. We develop them. We improve them, hopefully. We don't neglect them, hopefully. But God gives them to us to use. He trusts you. And so he gives you certain gifts and abilities to use for him. We're equal in personhood, right? But we differ in gifts, talents, and abilities. Albert Schweitzer said this, Whatever you have received more than others in health, talents, abilities, success, a pleasant childhood, harmonious conditions of home life, all this you must not take to yourself as a matter of course. In gratitude, we live forever through giving. Calvin Coolidge, former president. No enterprise can exist for itself alone. It ministers to some great need. It performs some great service, not for itself, but for others. Nothing uglier than the entitled person who is selfish and and hoards their gifts. Second point. These talents must be used. These talents must be used. We see that in verses 16 through 18. I want you to see there that the first two servants go at once, Matthew says, and put the master's resources to work. So here's the order. We receive, then we work. No wasting time. Some folks say, someday I'll serve the Lord. Someday I'll do this or that. I don't think there's anything noble about good intentions. The way I look at it, there's Monday, there's Tuesday, There's not some day. So act now. Begin to serve. The third servant buried his talent. Now, there weren't banks in the ancient world like we understand our banks, a building. But there were robbers. So the safest place to keep a lot of money wasn't on your person or in your house. It was to bury it at some safe location. So what was he doing? He was playing it safe. He treated the master's money like it was dead and needed buried. (laughs) We think we're only a one-talent person. 
I don't have many talents. I can't do anything well. I don't have anything to offer. So we just sit on the couch and do nothing. That's a big mistake. Life is about helping others, which glorifies God. You have unique gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you specifically. Do you know what they are? If you don't, we can help you. I encourage you to find your niche and serve. Susan was explaining an opportunity. That could be your niche in grief share. But, Pastor, what if I do it and I make a mistake? That's okay. I don't want to monopolize all the mistakes. You are free and welcome to make some, too. But do what the first two servants did. They served at once. Third point. We'll be held accountable for their use. We will be held accountable for their use. Verse 19. Notice in the text that the master went away to the far country, right? He was gone a long time. But then he came back and settled accounts with his servants. I'm going to read three passages from the New Testament and other places that show us how we'll give account someday. Romans 14:10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14:12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Pretty clear, isn't there? There's going to be an accountability, a a judgment on how we've used the resources that God has given us. God gives his gifts and then he goes away. To see what we'll do with them. He doesn't interfere with our decisions and our choices. Notice he didn't interfere with a five-talent guy, the two-talent guy, or the one-talent guy. He didn't give them advice. Here, you should do this. He went away and they made their own choices. Now, if you ask God, he'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll help you if you ask. But they used their gifts, talents, and abilities according to their own choices. But then there was an accounting someday. When you're dead, it's over. It's while you're alive that you still have time to make amends. Now is the time that you can still change things if you need to. Ebenezer Scrooge changed because he saw what his life would be like if he was Jacob Marley. And he didn't want that. Now is the time to change, the time to be more generous, the time to serve and use your gifts for God's kingdom and glory. Because a day of reckoning is coming. Fourth point, we will be rewarded or punished. We'll be rewarded or punished. We see that in verses 20 through 30. So let's look at the five talent guy and the two talent guy first. They both said, I have made or I have gained. And that's not disputed here. Their human effort isn't denied or apologized for. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. 
Paul had ambition and desire to do something for God. And that, he, that wasn't held against him. Notice the master's response in verse 21. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that someday? I really want to hear that. That is a motivating factor in my life. God loves faithfulness. He loves the person that just puts one foot in front of the other. I think it was William Carey that called it plodding along. I don't mind being a plodder. I don't have to be the most fantastic, charismatic person. I just want to be faithful. I want to plod each day, doing what God has shown me I need to do that day. So both of these men hear the exact same commendation. The two-talent guy hears the exact same praise as the five-talent guy. And what's the reward? More responsibility. God trusts you more, so he gives you more to do for his kingdom. The reward is more opportunity. Hard work pays off. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. And the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. God sees he's going to reward you someday. Now let's look at the one talent guy. He gives excuses for his lack of actions. And he has a negative attitude toward the master. That the other two servants, they don't have a negative attitude in any way toward the master. I find that sometimes some Christians have a negative attitude toward God. They think of God as harsh, cruel, demanding. He doesn't answer my prayer. Like the older son in the prodigal son story kind of looked on the father that way. I slaved all these years for you and you never gave me anything. And because they have that attitude that God is this harsh taskmaster, they fear losing what little God has given them. And fear becomes the motivating factor of how they live their life. That their fearful hearts shrivel up. And they begin to hoard what they have. The bottom line, this guy was selfish. He lived for himself. He only had room for his own needs. He lived a safe, careful, pitiful little life. Life is about others. Knowing others, serving others, loving others. Life requires risk. Yeah, you can get hurt. Someone might use you. Someone might step on you. But the alternative, Jesus says, is worse, outer darkness. C.S. Lewis, I think, says something interesting here about this. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung out and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket of your own selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. And that's scary. 
Jesus later goes on to say this in Matthew 25, just a few verses further. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked. You did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Also, another strong word of Jesus in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These people here in where Jesus, where I just read to you, they're calling him master, but they missed it. They didn't know him. Sins of omission are huge. The sin of doing nothing, of bearing your talents is a big deal. The one talent guy didn't do anything evil. He just did nothing. He wasted his life. He didn't even try. I like this quote by Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, but the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. God takes wasting one's life, abilities, talents very seriously. Jesus delays coming and then his servants get lazy, thinking they have lots of time to serve him, to do what he's called them to do. They say, yes, yeah, someday, Lord, someday I'll get around to it. And we think all that we have is ours to do whatever we wish. Well, we can now, but then there is accountability. Can God trust you with your time, your talents, your treasure? What has God withheld from you because you haven't been trustworthy with his resources? I think some of us are trying to fool God. Am I trustworthy with what God has given me now? Am I serving him now? Tomorrow never comes. Someday never comes. You only have today. I like what Mother Teresa said. I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. How about you? So I'd like you to take some personal inventory this week. Okay, I'm going to give you a few areas to think about. Myself. 
Have I given my life to the Lord? Have I really surrendered my life to Him and committed my life to Him? Or just on Sundays? Or when it's convenient? Or most days? Or someday I will? All right, here's another area. My possessions. Does God have ownership of my life and my possessions? Completely? Half the time? Not at all. How about my gifts and abilities? Do I know what they are? Do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Am I using them for His glory? Do I plan to someday? And lastly, my witness. Do I let my light shine? Is my light shining out there in the world brightly or is it kind of dull? Or has my battery completely gone dead? Make today the day of change. As I pray, you may want to come to the altar. But let's pray that today would be the day of salvation, the day of movement for him.